I want to start off with, with you, first of all, David, um, because you re- recently wrote a, a, a piece for PR Week uh, about the situation. Um, talk to me about your experience of, of mental health, first of all, and how that sort of uh, came to be. Um, but obviously, going, actually, do I want to start again? Purely because I've gone, straight, <laughs> I've gone straight into the deep end. I've not gone bang introduction. I've gone boom. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the PR Hub podcast. My name is Adam Tuckwell. And I'm Sean Wilcox. Hi everybody. Welcome to this episode. Um, This week we are talking about mental health. It's something that we obviously all experience, uh, good or ill. Um, We're many months into a global pandemic. um, We're all feeling uh, a lot of stresses uh, given that situation and adapting to uh, a horrible phrase, which is the new normal and uh, and all that sort of stuff um as you uh listen to this if you listen to it uh, within the first few days of of this episode coming out uh, it is world mental health day on saturday the 10th of october so we wanted to make sure that um we were acknowledging that by talking to um two uh incredible people who uh who sort of jumped out and said we want to be on the pod uh, and and we have something to 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 bring and and we wanted to share so this week we have uh, sonal shah and david fraser david is founder of ready 10 uh agency uh, and sonal shah is just weeks away from launching informal network um sonal um it opens up uh, very personally actually uh, adam doesn't she about her own uh, um, struggles with mental health um, over, over over recent years, and David discusses about how um, he and his agency um, uh, try to work in appropriate processes for staff at Ready Ten. It was it was a real eye opener as well. And obviously, we want we want to sort of preface the interview too much, but um, I think it was. I, I am really really glad that we've done this episode. Regular listeners will appreciate the fact that John and I don't really contribute very much to this interview. Uh, it's wonderful that we called out to the PR Hub uh, community on Twitter to ask for people to, to put themselves forward to, to speak on this topic. And we were inundated with, uh, with, with people responding. And we're, we're, we're so thankful for the, the two guests that we had to, to be open and to be, um, be, be, be free with their advice and, and their suggestions. And I'd really encourage you to, to, to sit down, get yourself a coffee and take a listen to this episode in full because it is packed full of really useful pieces of advice for, for you if you are, um, struggling with your mental health at the moment or if you manage and lead people, um, or just work alongside people who are, um, there's an awful lot that we can do. And I think the key message that comes out of, um, this episode is no matter what your role or responsibility you have a, a a duty to act and be aware not just of your mental health but of those that you work with absolutely um and actually it's a busy time before we jump into the interview it is a busy time um if you are a cipr member uh, and that is the uh the presidency the cipr presidential elections uh are open at the moment voting is open at the moment between peter holt and rachel roberts um we will have a special an election special um featuring both candidates um for you early next week uh so anybody who uh, hasn't voted yet um check it out they will be putting forward their case as to why they should be president um i'm really looking forward to that as well um but uh, tune in for next week for that um if you have any questions you'd like to put to those candidates do uh, DM us uh, on Twitter at PR Hub. But I think now we're going to go into our interview with Sonal Shah and David Fraser. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we're joined today by um, Sonal Shah and David Fraser. Thank you very much both uh, for joining us on the PR Hub podcast. It's a bit of a different um, tone, I guess, um, for this episode. Um, it obviously focuses on mental health. This coming Saturday, as we're recording, is World Mental Health uh, Day, uh, which is obviously quite an important uh, date. I-, I think it's fair to say that most people over the last um, eight, nine, ten months, and, and further back, obviously, it's not something that's only emerged during the during the pandemic. You know. Mental health awareness has 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 um, risen to the sort of top in recent months. People are struggling, um, and and certainly in in our industry, people are are struggling. Um, uh, we're joined today by Sonal Shah and David Fraser. Sonal uh, is a recent co-founder uh, for Informal Network. Hi there, Sonal. Hi, hi John. Hi Adam. Hi David. And uh, David, uh, you're co-founder of Ready Ten. Um, you're also rather scarily, I found uh, when I when I looked at your bio. Uh, also founder of West Twelve Media, which focuses on podcast production. Now that's get the hello to me, but uh, hello to you, David. Hello, hi everyone. So, <laughs> cu- couple of things. First of all, news to me that I have a co-founder of Ready Ten. I'm going to go and find out who that person is. <laughs> and, um, and you've just you've just completely split my shareholding. John, but that's fine. Oh, really? Fine. Don't worry. Oh, so no. My shareholding, and 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 also, you said that this is going to be the most serious podcast that you've ever done. Well, we're we're certainly testing that as we start. And and <laughs> um, the other thing, oh, on the podcast, on the podcast stuff. Well, we do. Yeah, we I do a QPR podcast, and we do a couple of others, but it's way grander than it sounds. And um, we talk to people about QPR, which is a football team most people don't know and haven't heard of. Um, and I literally just give my opinion on how we did at the weekend. I don't do any of the technical stuff. So trust me, you two are far more advanced and in the know than I am about any of this podcast. Amazing. Amazing. Well, first of all, um, Sonal, um, talk to us about your uh, background. You've recently um, started uh, Informal Network. What's that all about? Why did you start it? Uh, and, uh, and how are things progressing with that at the moment? Sure. So Informal Network um, sort of came alive after having a conversation with a few friends of mine, um, all in sort of similar positions in very various different sectors. Um, And I think we'd all kind of identify ourselves as people who come from underrepresented backgrounds, whether that be race, religion, class, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, Um, and kind of witnessing firsthand where you would see your peers take the leadership position or the promotion and just feeling a little bit like is that me or is it you know is it because of my ability or is it that I'm just being blindsided um so this this initiative that we are launching um which should hopefully be live in the next few weeks actually is very much there as a resource and also a community so it's there for people to come together and ask those stupid questions that you may not feel comfortable asking your colleagues but you can very much ask someone in a very friendly and safe environment online. Um, and for me, I'm also the mental health advocate, which I, I'm a sort of a huge champion and an advocate for speaking up about stigma and discrimination. So we're very much hoping that we can kind of, yeah, in a few years, maybe start doing a bit of lobbying and make some significant changes. That's perfect. That's great. And um David, bit of bit of bit of your background as well. I mean, apologies for halving your 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 holding of 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 Ray Ten, but uh, give us a bit of your background. 
That's no, that's 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 all right. So I I was at an agency called Frank for twelve years, and I know you know Frank because you interviewed Andrew, the founder. Uh, he was a co-founder. He was uh, a co-founder. You, you you interviewed Andrew, the co-founder of Frank, last year. <laughs> know him very well. Worked with him. Sat opposite him for sort of the best part of a decade, um, and then I left in two thousand and sixteen to set up Ready Ten. Um, uh, and I suppose the last four years we've grown to somewhere between, I guess, uh, well, small into hopefully in the not too distant future, medium sized agency, I guess. Um, done pretty well. Clients include the likes of McDonald's, Paddy Power, Money Supermarket. Prior to me being in PR, um, my background was in youth and social work, actually. My first job out of uni was as a youth worker. It's something that I had done since a, a, a teenager. Um, so I suppose that kind of background formed the basis of, I suppose, I don't know if you can call it an interest in an area, but certainly, um, what making sure that I worked to be an ally for people that were, um, suffering from, I, I guess, mental health and wellbeing issues and taking a keen interest in the subject. Fantastic. Well, I think our, our listeners, or I hope our listeners are going to be, particularly keen in in the the topic that we discussed today often on the pod we we've got a short list of people that we'd really like to to chat to um and sometimes we get approached by people who have an interesting story to tell and want to want to share that more broadly and we've wanted to do an episode on on mental health and well-being for for a long time but have put it off slightly because we it, it's an area that that is is delicate it's very important it needs to be talked about appropriately and so uh, when John and I decided that we wanted to do an episode on it we put a call out on Twitter to see whether there were particular people who had um, expertise or experience in um, in this area who, who wanted to to feature and wanted to talk about it and we were inundated um, with, um, with 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 people um, offering their their advice. It's been one of our most responded to tweets that we've we've done on our on our channel in terms of people wanting to to talk about it, which filled um, me with a great sense of um, confidence that our industry is starting to take this seriously. Um, and John and I were talking just just earlier this evening. We've been members of of. PR organisations for for a very long time. We've been looking at um, our sector for all the time that we've been working within it. And mental health and wellbeing has been something that has been po- quite publicly talked about and quite um, quite positively platformed um, for at least as long as I've been working in the trade. Um, but I've always had this underlying sense that it has been um, a tick box exercise or something that we talk about and isn't necessarily followed up with action. So what I wanted to do was just to start with with you two and inquire as to um, why it's an important topic for you and what prompted you to to, to, to come on and to, to to share your thoughts and your backgrounds. Um, so um, I don't know which of you wants to wants to start. Maybe Sonal, you could start for us. Yeah, sure. Um... I think for me, it's my lived experience um, and it's something that I have probably lived with my whole life, actually. Um, it's one of those things that you kind of people sort of ask you, oh, when did your depression and anxiety start? And you're like, well, actually, I don't have a date and I don't know because I feel like it's very much actually a, a, just a part of me. Yeah. So for me, mental health is a very important issue because of my own personal experience, um, you know, in terms of how I've had to deal with it and also the reception the reception from other people 
and that's just not you know in the workplace that's also your friends and family so there's a whole sort of I guess cycle of different people that you kind of have to almost explain yourself to or you you don't know what the reaction is going to be and the reason why I really wanted to join this show um, and talk to talk about it with you guys is that I do think it's really really important that yes it's amazing that people can talk about it and it's brilliant that companies are you know putting their hands up or, or putting in place initiatives to help individuals but I am also still skeptical that those things are there for the employee. I still honestly <laughs> think that they're just a corporate tick box exercise. I'm I'm struggling to see where there is genuine care um, or even the processes in place to kind of be like, are, are you actually trained enough to handle a situation where someone might not even be comfortable to talk about their experience? Um, so that that's that's kind of where I am at the moment and why, yeah, I kind of wanted to put myself forward for this. That's brilliant. Thank you. There's a lot to unpack in there that we'll, we'll, we'll come on to in a minute. David, what about, what about, what about you? The reason why I feel strongly about this is because I run an agency where we, um, we employ 20, well, there's 23 of us and it's 22 other, one of them is me and 22 other people that I care about them and their development very much. Uh, And, I uh, and we're in kind of a, a crazy world with a, a series of crazy demands that need to be met. Um, I agree with you completely, Adam, with what you say, um, that there seems to be a lot of lip service to this issue, but not a lot of action. And one of the things I was thinking about before I came on today was, I think in, when we talked about it, lots of people say there's a stigma around mental health and mental health in our industry and and Sono and others may disagree with me but I don't really think there is I don't think that's the central issue Um, if I compare kind of experiences from when I got into the industry and people's attitudes towards it there certainly was a stigma towards it now there isn't the the issue isn't the stigma because you talk to I talked to some agency heads I talked to lots of other people in the industry Everybody is very much, uh, you know, uh, considers themselves an ally for people that are uh, experiencing mental health issues. Every company will say they have uh, a policy. So it's not necessarily the stigma. It's actually what's underneath that kind of initial statement and action. And I know we're not talking about this, but, you know, we've just experienced three, four, five months, a very heavy discussion around Black Lives Matter and issues around that and even in the last couple of weeks um people have actually started to question whether actually that was just paying lip service to it and where's the action that actual organizations are doing and i feel like there's a similarity with these issues and mental health issues and the actually the challenge isn't to challenge the stigma in the industry but the challenge now is to challenge perhaps inaction things like what what Sonal's just talked about, actually beyond the making a statement about it, what people are actually doing, particularly now, because I guess how I came to this was um, I wrote an article for PR Week a couple of weeks ago um, after Boris Johnson made the latest announcement around the um, lockdown. Well, we're not in lockdown, but, but people were now being encouraged, having been told to go back to work, people were now being told to work from home if they can after only a matter of weeks. And in our office, that went down really badly. And actually, loads of people were visibly upset. 
um, which actually kind of almost a light bulb went off in my head that actually the key issue, I understand the key issue in many businesses is kind of keeping the lights on metaphorically and the finances of the business and keeping solvent and all the rest of it. But a pretty big issue, particularly for the next three, four, five months is going to be the mental health of employees as we re-enter whatever this version of lockdown is. Sorry, that's a very long answer to what we've No, that is, that is that is that is really helpful and i think there's a lot that we can we can unpack in 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 both of those responses and i think it's really interesting to have some different perspectives as well of especially listening to you talk about your duty of care for for your team and 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 how that how that's impacted i think is particularly important you know what i think it's quite interesting sorry to cut across you i think it's quite interesting the two people you've got on because Somehow is very um, kind of very bravely owning her own experiences and talking about it and coming at it from that perspective. But I'm coming at it from a perspective where actually I suppose I, I'm, yeah, exactly like you say, my duty of care and more making sure that the me and the rest of my colleagues can be the, the best allies that we can be to people that are suffering with those mm. issues. Mm. Yeah, thank you. So Sonal, I wanted to talk to your your thoughts about whether you think our sector, the the industry in which we operate, um, is one that is damaging for people's mental health. Do you th- do you think the way in which our organisations are built, the environment in which we work, the hours, the stress, the pressure, the servicing, the generating results? Do you do you, do you think that that as a as as a job and a job type type plays plays a part in increasing pressure on people's mental well being? We see from surveys from the CIPR State of the Nation report and PRCA reports that actually the number of staff highlighting or talking about the fact that they are struggling with their their mental well being and their mental health goes up every, every every year, and the number of people that are seeking advice and help and support on their mental well-being is going up every year do you get the impression that that's just a, a, a general um shift in the population of people being more comfortable vocalizing um the the issues that they have and what they're what they're working through or do you think there are particular issues with our industry in particular that that cause these to be to be heightened and whether your experience is is that yeah that's um there's a lot to answer, <laughs> a lot to say about that, because um, I, I do think I don't I mean, I'll, I'll say that I don't just think it's our sector. There are so many high, highly stressful and demanding jobs out there. I do think, though, that with the advent of I mean, I'm speaking from when I started over 10 years ago and you know, things like social media were not, you know, they were just about launching off the ground. And I think now with social media and everything does see, feel like it's very 24 7 probably even more than that it's almost like you don't have the hours in the day it is really demanding so I, I would agree and say yes that I think there are elements of the job that can contribute to um, some mental health issues uh, you know I can't I can't say that they would contribute to all of them because there are so many in my own experience um, I think for me yes because I probably already had the foundations of going on to have something like work affect my mental health um but I can't directly say that there was a, that was the direct cause well I can't speak to other industries that well by nature and the fact that I don't work in them but what I can say about ours is 
for many people it's a vocation isn't it rather than just a job and there's a lot of people that are crazy dedicated to it which is great but that has a downside and that downside is boundaries and blurring of boundaries and ratcheting up the pressure um and for lots of people lots of people in our industry with kind of the types of things that we're dealing with with clients and events and deadlines people love that but the downside of that is it can have a negative effect on lots of people so i don't know about comparing it to other industries but what i do know is there's a few ingredients in our industry that means that uh, that that can that can basically what comes out the other end is some 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 issues where people are kind of feeling under considerable stress um and and i've seen that more than once in my career i don't actually know what it's like in comparison to other people in their careers in their particular industries but what i know is that these kind of issues do happen and they they are something that, that i have seen on on multiple occasions in my career Sonia, you talk about um, your journey and the experiences that that you've had um, throughout your career. Um, do do you feel more comfortable talking about the challenges you face now that you're uh, almost out out of it and, and and beyond working for those particular employers? Did you find the environments were conducive to to talking about the challenges that you were facing and seeking help? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I've probably had about three different I call episodes um, in three different companies actually and each time it's probably a bit of both where I was in denial and I wasn't really kind of admitting that there was something seriously going wrong but then equally at the same time I honestly didn't feel like I could speak up and if I ever did mention something slightly I didn't get the response that was the empathetic response and occasionally it would be like, well, it's just got to get done. Like, you know, to David's point, there's a deadline. We've got an event tomorrow. And you're like, oh, God, I I don't have time to be mentally ill because I've got to write a press release. You know, so and like you said, people, it is a vacation because you are so dedicated to your job and you still want to be able to, to prove that just because I've got a mental health issue does not mean that I'm not a really good PR or I'm not good at doing my social media content. You know, I'm still s hot, but how am I meant to then say, you know what, I'm actually feeling like crap and I don't know who to turn to. And yes, part of the work is the problem. I don't know if it's the cause, but it's not helping at the moment. There's too much pressure. And for me, I've not been able to really have that open conversation. And the only reason I can have that open conversation is because I'm not in an agency at the moment but also I think I'm older and I've had a year long of intensive therapy so I've I've had to go through it (laughs) to come out the other end it's you know I've had to unfortunately experience the ultimate lows to be able to to sit here in front of you all today and speak very strongly about it because a year ago I I would not have even probably gotten out of bed um, to have this conversation I mean, for, for, first of all, I mean, it's a you know, it's a heck of a journey you've clearly gone through over the last twelve months, and I think it's very interesting that that you uh, you you said about um, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's uh, about uh, you know uh, 
stating issues once uh, once you'd acknowledged them, um, not being heard by your line manager about them. Um, and uh, one of those um, symptoms, I guess, was the fact that, you know, you were having to work to close to deadline. You were having to, because you have your dedication to your, to your vocation, you were having to ensure that um, you were meeting, well, you're prove, you proving that you were still up to the task at hand, I guess. Um, I think it's very interesting, given the fact that last year's um, state of PR uh, report from the CIPR um, uh, more than half of, of contributors said that um, work contributed um, uh, strongly to their diagnosis, unrealistic deadlines, unsociable hours, such as common causes. Nearly a quarter of respondents said that they felt they weren't being acknowledged um, by their line managers. You are in the process of launching Informal Network at the moment. You've already said about how um, part of that is to help uh, essentially um, – um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but how how uh, people uh, progress their careers, L&D, leadership, that sort of thing. How much of that comes from your experience? Sounds very similar to what CIPR state of PR sounded like last year, um, to, to ensure that future leaders of PR do hear um, their junior members of staff um, and, and, and sort of, ensure that the correct processes are in place to help them and guide them to avoid going through significant mental health um, episodes? Yeah, I think it's so important. And even more so, obviously, we're in a pandemic. I think, um, you know, and you've all mentioned earlier about, you know, the disappointment for David's team that they were not able to go back to the office. You know, all these things where you build up hope and everyone's going through such a roller coaster. So I do think it is, it's actually critical. And I know the CIPR have launched off the back of that um, report um, and mental health training um, for members also, and particularly people who are in that leadership position, because, you know, it, you have to show empathy. The workplace culture has to be a place that is welcoming and is not going to discriminate. And yes, you may understand to a point, you know, you're aware of the mental health issues, but you know, you've got to be able to be that leader who shows true empathy and genuine empathy and is not going to kind of, you know, the first reaction is not a a little, you know, screwed up nose because your line manager is thinking, well, I've got to send the client the proposal instead of actually just being a little bit more, you know, take a little bit of a break. The person sat in front of me is just opening up to me, which, by the way, is very hard to do. And, you know, it's all these little things that I think it, they're small things, but I think they'll make a big difference. I think that's so that, I think the 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 um, experience that Sonal talks about is so important. It's repeated itself every time I think back to um, an, one of these issues in my career that I, I've seen with friends and colleagues is so many people feel unable to speak up, to flag a concern that they're in an open, empathetic environment and they're going to be listened to. And probably, I suppose, really, really serious episodes that I can think of has happened two or three times in my career. And that's exactly what's happened. Those people have not felt that they're able to speak up. I, I, I think agencies and agency leaders think that their response is is quite needs to be quite complicated and I actually don't agree it's really easy this is a really easy issue to tackle because you're not it's not agencies jobs to counsel people it's not agencies jobs to solve 
their problems for them. In fact, they need to do the opposite of that. In our, we have a, a, a I guess you could call it a guidebook, mental health guidebook for all our managers. And, and kind of at the top of the page is do not diagnose someone's issues. It's not for us to do. It's really about signposting and making sure that people get access to the help that they can get. But the only thing we do need to do is is what has just been mentioned is to provide an environment where people feel that they will be listened to and they can talk up. That's it. It's not actually that much more complicated than that, but you would not believe actually how difficult it is for a lot of organizations to to do that. David, I think that point, I think that point is so important. So um, sorry to keep going back to surveys, but I think it's important to talk about this, the, the, the amount of people who, who who are impacted by this. So the PRCA did a report on this last year, and twenty one percent of people, so one in five, said that they um, had suffered, um, or sorry, had been diagnosed with 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 a mental health disorder uh, and sought support in the last twelve months. So that's one that's one in five. That's huge. And of those people that spoke to their manager over a quarter had no further communication with their manager about it. Their manager didn't follow up. And I think I'm curious about this point because I'm personally somebody who, who hasn't faced any particular mental health difficulties in in my life, but I do manage people. Um, And I don't know what it is about mental health that makes people think that it's their job to fix it rather than be this this signpost to you if if i had a member of my team come to me because they've defaulted on their mortgage i definitely wouldn't be offering the mortgage advice if i had somebody who was coming to me because um their marriage is splitting up i certainly wouldn't be a marriage counselor what is it about mental health that makes people think that it's their job to fix rather than their job to 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 help or or act or or is that just me being um naive no, and I start, I agree with David. Actually, it's I've always of the belief that it is not the company's responsibility to to fix an uh, employee's mental health problem. And I completely agree with the signposting. But if there are underlying causes that 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 it is their responsibility, if they, you but know, what, it's 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 the, the re- triggers that might be causing that. Yeah, but what I mean is that, that agreeing with your point that they are not there to be the doctors to diagnose. They're not there to say, okay, this is what you need to do. But what they can do is put in those parameters. And actually, you're you're so right, David. If some if my line manager, if I told my line manager and all I needed to say to them was, I'm just feeling like this, and they just responded with, Okay, I hear you. Maybe go and look into this resource. I'm gonna go away and let's let's think of a plan together to help you manage it. Or, you know, what can we do as at work that's going to be able to help and support you that in itself would have probably made me feel a hundred times better actually because then I in my own personal experience with depression and anxiety by nature my anxiety would have lessened I would have felt less depressed about everything I would have felt like I can actually do stuff because my line manager's on my side and they know that if I you know I'm not going to be able to commit to something it's not because I'm not good enough I think lots of people lots of managers hear may hear someone express a concern and then their response is I don't know how I'm supposed to handle it that's fine you're allowed to say that you're allowed to say I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do here but then go and find out trust me there's a lot of resources out there the way to mitigate against not knowing of course is for organizations to put in mental health plans and training which there's also lots of opportunity for people to to put in 
to do out there. But it, it's it's I think this this I don't know the answer to your question, Adam, why people think that, because you're absolutely right. You would never get well, you might try and give someone a bit of advice, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I, know, I was on the fly. I was on the fly. Well, it, it, well, if I sort of give another analogy. So we talk in the PR industry about our people being our best asset, which is true. I mean, I was told very early on in my career, the stockroom goes home at night, which which you know basically the best the, the kind of ip in pr is inside people's heads you know the creativity is inside people's heads and all the stock that we have goes is is people so if we all agree which i think many people do that the biggest resource is 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 people then we need to look after it because if you were a light bulb manufacturing if you're a light bulb factory and your um fat if your machinery was at risk of breaking down you wouldn't try and fix it yourself you would do you would do all the right things about it so i have absolutely no idea i don't know i don't know the answer to your question but you're right i think i guess because it's rooted in human behavior lots of people are convinced that they're really good judges of character which is another subject but i think most people aren't good judges of character i include myself in that um, and so most people have this kind of desire to to fix all matters of human behavior and probably we need to take a step back and realize that we can't all do all of that work. So now you talked about having um, a number of episodes um, during your during your career. Um, I think there's a lot of talk at the moment in the media and especially in our media about the impacts that covid and lockdown is having on 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 mental health is is there a danger that we um we focus on on low level issues of potentially loneliness and which which i'm not saying isn't an important issue and i know that is a really important issue but is is there a danger that we we try and do a broad brush approach to to mental health and well-being honestly i think any awareness is brilliant and if they can focus on loneliness right now. Amazing. And hopefully that will just be a catalyst to then continue the focus on other areas of mental health conditions and still continue to drive forward the solutions and, you know, the support and the resources and the action. Because, you know, I, I just think it's brilliant that it's even just been spoken about because when I first started out, it really wasn't. It really wasn't spoken about that much. David, you talked about your team being visibly upset when you told them that they probably weren't going to be working in the office. What what were the underlying causes of that, do you think? Well, so the underlying cause, well, there was probably a few. And I should say it was not just one particular type of person in one particular type of environment that said it. So there was someone who actually lives on their own, who was upset there's somebody who lives in a quite a big household who was upset there's somebody who kind of lives with their partner who wanted to return to work i think the underlying causes were um actually got to go back to lockdown one so first of all there was probably a bit of a novelty to it in that we didn't know what to expect so people kind of got on with it second of all i i think this is genuinely an important factor the weather was start was pretty good for most of lockdown one so that makes people feel in a certain way you then get fast forward to now where winter's on the way and we know what to expect and it's uncertain 
uh, it's not really a good cocktail to sort of mix. And, and I think that hit people hard. And I think the realisation on that day that we are nowhere near the end of this thing hit people for the first time. Um, and I think the prospect, they felt they were coming out of it, that we were coming out of this kind of lockdown period. We were back in the office and now God knows what's going to happen. So I think all of those things mixed together made 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 it pretty uh, and pretty unhappy day for a lot of people. Hmm. We're, we're getting um, data over recent months about how people are, are managing, coping or, or, or not during um the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Now, whilst this isn't focused on our industry, um, uh, Mind, uh, the charity, uh, launched a report or published a report in, in June where uh, over half of respondents um, said their mental health had worsened during the pandemic and a quarter of adults uh, said that they couldn't access help uh, when they when they, when they they tried. Um, we've spoken about duty of care of, em- of employers already. Um, how much of this duty of care should actually be on the government? Um, how are they managing it? And what can they be doing uh, to to uh, reduce uh, people's um, uh, mental health uh, issues uh, in in light of heading into, into into winter, which is not exactly the happiest time for a lot of um, So I, without getting too political, I, I think there's a sort of hand in hand job here to be done. And there is responsibility on all sides. In the example that somebody breaks their arm at work. Well, actually, the government and the and the employer need to spring into action, or the government or the health service, if you see what I mean, which is funded by the government. So the health service will be the resource that um, repairs that broken arm. But equally, the employer needs to look at their working environment and assess whether they con- their working environment contributed to it and whether they took all the necessary mitigation steps to do it and whether they're supporting the employee. Actually, I guess that also happens in many cases with a, a mental health issue. Like I said before, we're there to signpost. We do, as our company, we do provide some resources for people. But also, ultimately, this is an issue that are dealt with by other organizations which for many people is a combination of kind of therapy often on the nhs going to gps which is of course on the nhs and various other things so of course government provision nhs provision needs to be appropriate and and i don't have a call on whether it is or not i'm sure uh, sonel will um but certainly companies need to have a, a proper duty of care, a proper process, but also be really open to it. And there's an element of we can only control what we can control. And I think all companies need to ask themselves whether they are doing everything they can uh, rather than just saying they're doing everything. No, yes, I do think, yes, absolutely. As David said, there is responsibility with your with the with the employer create that work, that workplace culture that is going to be welcoming and empathetic you've got all the training um you know you can get your line managers into mental health training you you know you may have a big hr department who are probably already all over this um and then actually putting those words into action and you know in terms of government and the resources in terms of what there is available i know they are under massive strain at the moment um you know i, I can't comment <laughs> on on whether i think you know, there should be more funding because there are so many other health services that are also under strain. Um, but, you know, there are amazing 
charities, like amazing resources and charities and communities and so many people out there who are, you know, who have lived experiences, who are who are more than willing to talk and just help people, uh, get them through, you know, this really, really terrible time. Um, I would highly recommend if anyone is struggling to just reach out. I mean, Mind is a fantastic resource and charity. The Samaritans are amazing. Your friends, your family, um, you know, go running, do some yoga and practice self-care, but self-care in the way of where you really, truly do the things that you genuinely love. Um, and, you know, talk to your GP because your GP is still there. Don't let the assumption that there's a strain Go, not an assumption but don't let that make you feel that you're not going to be looked after or seen because you, you should definitely yeah speak to your GP and just speak up it will help <laughs> I should speak. also say what what a lot of people don't realize from an employee side is there's pro, there's likely quite a lot of resources available to them that they perhaps weren't aware of so if somebody works for an organization that's affiliated to the CIPR or PRCA they have support programs in place if you've got any kind of like perks uh, um, app or something like that, so we're, we're signed up, all our employees are on something called Perkbox, which basically, but in general, gives people free cinema tickets when cinemas are open and mobile phone insurance. However, even things like that have a free employee assistance programs and phone lines that people can phone up. And some employees, not all, but some have some kind of medical insurance through their employer almost all the time through those programs. There's some kind of um, mental health support that can be accessed through that. So it's well worth checking that, that, those, that kind of stuff out. We're recording this um, late on a Sunday night, and um, I know that there are many people who will be struggling um, and the prospect of going to work either physically or, or, or virtually um, tomorrow morning will be will be really playing on their minds. Sonal, I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to hear your advice for people that are in the moment struggling but haven't spoken to their employer. What, what words of advice do you have for them and, and how they make their first step? Um. I think for, for me, if, if it's something where you feel like you're not comfortable speaking because you're you're worried about perhaps what other people might think or you're worried about your job, um, I would actually talk to one of the charities because you can get in touch with them and they will give you advice on how to get around that. Um, and actually, a lot of people are much nicer than you assume. And actually, a lot of people will listen. And as horrible or worthless or useless as you feel, you have the strength and just always believe that no matter what, like you've got to put yourself first. So kind of like put those thoughts aside for a moment, check in with yourself and have a little, I, I always have like a little pep talk. I have to kind of remind myself of all the things that I've done in life that are good things. And kind of just have a little bit of a, a little bit of a breathe and just think what's the worst that could happen because it can't be as bad as how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> so it's only got to, it's only got to get better. <laughs> I have faith. That's brilliant. That's really helpful. Da- David, what about um, thinking about that management perspective? So if you are an agency owner or if you're a head of an internal department and you've got lots of people and we're looking at this second lockdown and the likelihood is that most people are going to be remote again, 
and tying into your mention about the weather earlier, I'm a hundred percent believer in that. The first lockdown, we we could go out for lovely sunny walks. We're not going to be able to repeat that during during a winter period. What what advice or what should employers be doing now to sort of think practically about their team's mental health and well being? Yeah. So I so somebody a consultant that we worked with in the past called Amy McCowan, and she's affiliated with an organisation called Head Office, which is an organisation who helped us formulate our mental health plan. She wrote an article on PR Week this week, um, actually addressing this, this that question. And if people haven't seen it, they should probably go and Google it. She talks about three things that companies need to do. One is to have a mental health strategy in place. Um, the other is... Um, to invest in providers. So some of the things we talked about a couple of minutes ago, making sure that there's lots of resources, there are resources there. And the third one is, she called it communicate, 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 which is is going to help a lot. Just having an open dialogue with staff and the feeling that people can talk makes a huge difference in this. I would recommend any companies that haven't kind of undergone any sort of mental health audit or don't have a strategy that they're comfortable with, I would recommend in doing it and writing one. As I said, we wrote ours with head office. If anybody listening to this wants to know how we got on or who to talk to, they can get in touch with me and I can point them in the right direction. Through them, we wrote with staff. We did an audit with staff. We did consultations with staff. That led to a set of policies, a guidance booklet for those in management and a set of resources that people can access. Um, training as well for people Um and really just uh, it, it helped us formulate this whole, I guess, support structure and response for people. It doesn't cost the earth either. The only thing it costs is a bit of time and thought. Well, not the only thing. There is an investment. But 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 it, the main thing is really time and thought for this issue. So anybody that doesn't know where to start, what um i would sort of encourage them to take that step and the more the more planning you put in when when you do have an issue that needs to deal with there's kind of something there to help you through it so i would recommend that process or similar for companies that don't have something at the moment what i particularly like about that concept there is that it's not a top-down approach from the management saying here's a new policy that we will now need to implement. There's a degree of openness and transparency, getting a whole business on board, creating um, something that everybody buys into. And we were talking earlier, I think, about um, having mental health champions and things within the workplace. So actually this, this being something where it, it can be more talked about, but also focused on, and it's on, on everyone's mind and everyone's agenda. So if we go back to the question you asked, why do people feel the need to um, diagnose and solve people's mental health? problems i think the best piece of advice i ever got on people issues was from a colleague who said not everyone is like you and that's a really important thing for everyone in management to remember and that's the reason why management should not write those policies from the top-down approach because everybody is framed by their experience but there's seven billion people in this world who all have lots of different experiences and they're not all the same. So if everybody kind of just remembers that, that's if everybody remembers that, then we'll make progress. But that's why it's really important, in my opinion, 
to not have a top-down policy, but to actually listen to what everyone else is telling you because no two experiences are going to be the same. Actually, I was, uh, you know, yeah, I agree. It's so there's so many different experiences, and you know, mental health in itself is such a big subject area. And you know, even if I have depression and anxiety, the, another person who's diagnosed depression and anxiety, their experience is going to be completely different. There's a whole spectrum of mental health issues. So I think that's that's really cool that David's doing that at his agency and you know investing in it seriously not just in money but time and effort too because that shows commitment um as an employee i I just think that's that's awesome um you know you're 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 serious about it it's not just a tick box exercise and actually i'd probably want to just put my hand up and want to actually get involved in the policy as well and be like how can i help shape it you know as someone who has had lived experience um you know in order to help other people in the agency and I'd definitely be a mental health champion running around with my placards in the office. <laughs> I, I believe it's a positive thing that we are all talking about it much more now. Um, I think we should be encouraged by the fact that there are toolkits and policies coming from from various different organisations, from from both the trade bodies and things from the, the CIPR. Um, do you think um we need to continue at the same pace do we need to accelerate what we're doing does there need to be a real change in, in what we do is there a danger of us putting a tick in that box and saying that we've we've done it we've we've thought about it and we can worry about something else i think whilst those statistics from the industry surveys continue to rise that's pretty good evidence that maybe not enough is being done I genuinely think it comes back to what you said in one of your first comments, Adam, is it's great that people are talking about it. It's great that people recognise it. Now that needs to be followed up with action. I think a lot of agencies are doing a lot of things, but clearly there's not enough agencies and not enough PR organisations, I should say, um, kind of in-house as well and and other marketing organisations that are doing it. So it's encouraging that we're we're where we are but yeah i would say there's still quite a a track ahead on these issues yeah i mean it's a challenge in itself and now we're faced with a brand new challenge you know i think these organizations are going to find that there are a lot more people facing mental health challenges with the with the pandemic so yeah i guess when you come to when they come to the point of comparing their results year on year it's it's going to be a totally different ball game and you know you've got to adapt to it you've you know things things now definitely have to be put into action it, it can't just be lip service anymore it, you know it's it's not it's not going to wash in my opinion um things have changed too much in just this one year um, and it's a hugely critical and important time for everyone so i think yeah it's a this is the time to act for sure that's lovely. Thank you very much both. Um, as ever, uh, as we ask uh, on the pod every episode, if people want to reach out and speak with you uh, directly on, on the social media channels of your choice, um, how, how can they do that? Sonal, where's the best place for people to reach out? Um, you can probably all find me on Twitter. And my handle is SonalXShah, S-O-N-A-L-X. S-H-A-H and I am more than happy 
to chat to anybody if you want to send me a message um yeah more than happy to have a conversation that's fantastic and uh if people want to reach out to you about the uh about informal network uh that's gonna be launching in a few weeks again what, what what's the best way um you can visit our website it's informal.network um there's a lot of information on there there's an option to register for our platform and uh equally you can also contact me on twitter if you've got any questions and we can take it from there that's lovely and david uh what's your social uh network of of choice where where should people reach you twitter's the greatest social network ever invented obviously even though it's horrendous sometimes um (laughs) so obviously on twitter um it's at david e fraser e is the middle name which i'll leave mysterious for now and um fraser with an s or the agency handle is at ready 10 that is fantastic that's wonderful thank you very much um well thank you very much uh, for being on on the pod uh, uh, both of you um truly insightful and and thank you very much for sharing um personal stories and experiences uh, as well um it's been really fascinating to get that as well and uh wish you both uh, the very best of of luck going forward on the pod thank, thank you. you very much And thanks again to Sonal Shah and David Fraser there for taking some time out to discuss a pretty, you know, important topic. Um, please do remember to like and subscribe and comment uh, to the pod if you enjoy this episode or indeed any of our episodes on uh, the PR Hub podcast. Um, it really does help us increase uh, invisibility to fellow PR and comms professionals around the world. Um, if you want to follow us, I am at John Wilcox underscore on Twitter. I'm at Adam Tuckwell on Twitter. Adam forgot his handle. Um, Sonal Shah is at Sonal X Shah on Twitter. David Fraser is David E. Fraser. I'm hoping it's something really cool like Endeavour, not Edward. But, you know, let's go for that as the middle name. Adam. Feel free to reply on Twitter at guesses as to what David's middle name is. But also we would encourage you to let us know if you have any questions for the CIPR election episode. If you're listening uh, to this podcast soon after we launch it and before the presidential election or even better before we record the interview with uh, the two presidential candidates, please do let us know if you've got any questions that you'd like us to ask. We really want this to be an opportunity for people to to challenge them and get them thinking. So send us those messages. You can even do it by DM and we won't name you who you are unless you'd like us to. Absolutely. So you can find us at PR Hub. Um, Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.